Hello fellow teachers and aspiring teachers. Welcome to Those Who Can't, the podcast where the teaching profession takes centre stage. I'm Matt Smith. And I'm Kate Moore. And together we journey our way through the why, the how and the heart of teaching. From the nitty gritty of the industry to the profound joys of being an educator. We're here to explore the ins and outs of teaching and to help you reach your full potential. With stories from our own classroom experiences, insights into the evolving landscape of education and practical advice for both new and seasoned educators. Whether you're facing the challenges of the classroom or seeking inspiration for your teaching journey, we'll see what we can do. So join us as we explore the education industry. Welcome to Those Who Can't. Well, welcome to Those Who Can't. This is a podcast for teachers. It's a podcast about education and everything teaching, classroom and education, the whole industry. So we we better start by introducing ourselves since it's our first episode and my name is Matt Smith, but I'm going to ask Kate to introduce herself first. Thank you, Matt. Very gentlemanly of you. So, my name's Kate Moore. I've been teaching in pretty much every system, Catholic, public, private, independent schools, um, for approximately 30 years, 30, 35 years. A long, long time. So, I never really planned to be a teacher. was kind of doing it in my spare time as a music teacher. I had a musical upbringing and was performing in various ensembles and orchestras and then I was just teaching to earn some extra money on the side. I started doing that when I was actually still at school at the conservatorium. So I thought this was something that was, you know, a good little side hustle. A good earner. A little good, you know, side earner. But actually, funnily enough, I really enjoyed it much more than I thought I would. I thought it would be just a bit of a drudgery, you know, to to have to do some teaching on the weekends to earn some money. But it was better than McDonald's, serving at McDonald's kind of thing. (laughs) But yeah, I actually ended up really enjoying it and though my intention was never to go into education or teaching, um, that started off a journey of, of many years. I've taught music, I've taught, as I said, in a variety of schools and more recently had the opportunity to go into leadership, educational leadership. Um, also started a PhD, might go back to that at some stage, but we'll see. Well, I'm Matt, I'm a retired principal, I say retired, although Every now and then I still get to pull the shoes on and go and do the principal thing. I've been teaching 25 years and I started out in the western suburbs of Sydney teaching English and history in high school and since then I've taught every age group from early learning through primary school, high school, university uh, and I've taught the kind of most privileged kids in Sydney and the most disadvantaged and now I run a business and I go around and help schools with school improvement and do a lot of work in behaviour and part of my background was working with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander kids and working in trauma-informed practice so I I sort of do a bit of work in different schools helping with that stuff now and me and Kate have worked together and that's how we became best buds and learnt how to be teachers together. That's right. I learn, I learn a lot from, from Matt. It was the um, best growth I had were the years that we worked together. But I was just thinking we should do an episode on trauma-informed practice. Yeah. Yep. You know Dr. Perry? Bruce Perry. Bruce Perry. Mm-hmm. He doesn't like the term trauma-informed. No, doesn't he? No. I, sh- I, sh- I should stop invoking <laughs> his name when I, when I teach trauma-informed likes, practice. He likes, what does he say? He says trauma-aware. Trauma-aware, yeah, yeah. that's right. I yeah, and I, we could delve into why that's the case. But yeah. Um, yeah, certainly I know from your stories, Matt, you've had some of the toughest days any teacher could could ever have in regards to... You're being too hard on yourself, Kate. It wasn't <laughs> that hard working with you. <laughs> yeah, I know. I can be a handful. <laughs> <laughs> 
No, okay. I, I learned so much working with you too. And that's why I think that's why we um, we get along so well because one thing that I've learned in my career is who to learn from and who to take feedback from and why it's important to take feedback. And, and me and Kate have always, I think, been pretty honest with each other and that's why we made a good team. Yeah, and that's what I really value. I'm not convinced that schools always do the kind of feedback performance aspect you know, as well as they could. And so I think that's awesome that you're doing a lot of work in that area because I think there are certainly a lot of young teachers out there that just need that straight shooting kind of advice, guidance, feedback for them to to really find their feet and find their way. And sometimes, for whatever reason, schools are a bit reluctant to deliver that. So it's good that you're doing that work now. Yeah, and like teaching is a serious job and people should take it seriously, but there's also a point where you can take it too seriously and I think that's sort of one of the things we want to communicate in this podcast is the the lighter fun side of being a teacher and why it is a cool profession and why we want you to be a teacher and why we want you to stay a teacher yeah yeah so exactly yeah because i mean if you wanted to have a dull day you'd become an accountant surely yeah that's right <laughs> yeah take that accountant yeah or a lawyer <laughs> catching strays <laughs> it, it, it is a great profession and that's the first thing we kind of had on our list to talk about, Kate, was if you had your time over again, and obviously you would be a teacher. So if you could go back to the start of your career and be a teacher, why would you still want to be a teacher? So what are the, what are the perks? What do you get out of it? Why would you do it? Yeah, that's very interesting to think about because I would say that the reasons I go back and do it wouldn't be the same as the reasons I initially got into it. As I said before, it wasn't ever really in my career plan, my life plan to become a teacher, I probably would have looked down on it, to be honest. And, and that was a more a family thing, you know, oh, just, just becoming a teacher isn't enough. My parents probably had higher aspirations for us kids in terms of, you know, lawyers, doctors, etc. So I didn't really seriously consider it. But, um, you know, as, as I kind of fell into it and, and went through the years in it, there there is, to be honest, nothing I'd rather do. And I think the reason that you kind of think in the early days this is going to be great, you you think you're going to change the world, you know. You just think it's going to be, you're going to just make such a difference and you're going to change kids' lives and you're just going to make the world a better place. And the reality of thinking why I'd go back now and do it is for those, just those really, really small moments. You know, just having that, that smallest impact, I'm never going to change the world and I'm never going to really get that sense of, satisfaction that I've done all I can and that you know these kids have gone from you know zero to 100 and they're amazing now thanks thanks to me but it's that little piece of that jigsaw puzzle that you you have that insight into the kid the insight into the family the time you get to spend working with them is just I just consider it a great privilege Mm -hmm. anytime I get to have a conversation on the phone with a parent or have a student in my office I value that immensely because it means that I have a moment there where I can share some of what I've learned, maybe help guide someone a, a certain amount. And I think going into it thinking that it's you know going to be kind of life-changing for all involved and you're going to change the world is probably destined to be a bit disappointed with that attitude. But certainly there's an element there of that sense of change and that sense of impact, small small little impact that you have. You've got to be really careful, I think, as a teacher, not to miss those times. Yeah. You know, not to be so focused on what hadn't got done that day or what you didn't do so well. Um, you've really got to take the moment to just notice that you have had some little small impact. What about you, Matt? Well, the, the reasons I would do it now are different to the reasons that drew me in in the first place. Mm. And 
really the reason I went into teaching initially was because I really enjoyed like being in schools. There, there were parts of my school experience as a student that I loved and I wanted to kind of hang on to that somehow. There were also parts I hated and mm. I think I just romantically pushed them to the side <laughs> and thought I can go into this career and just have all the fun bits and that didn't play out. It didn't play out that way. But going back now, the reason, the reason I would do it again, the reason I'd do it all again right from the start is, and maybe it's about my ego, but I love being able to influence, right? And I feel like in schools you get to influence humans and people and children to find something about themselves that you, that they can value. And like a lot of the work I've done, especially in the last, I don't know, the last eight years has really been with the, the naughty kids, the kids that are always in trouble or they're kind of on the fringes of being at school and their parents are tearing their hair out and teachers are tearing their hair out. Is and that you at school? No, I was the opposite. <laughs> I was I was a I was a model child. Of course. I assume that would be obvious of from course. from where life has taken me. But you get to influence those those kids and I, I just I get a lot out of that. And, you know, I reckon part of that is ego. I like I, I like being a leader too. Like I, I, I've really enjoyed being a principal. That has been one of the the best parts of my career. Uh, the hardest as well, but one of the, the things I really enjoyed. So I like the leadership. I like that there's opportunities to lead. Yeah, so that's why I do it all again. There's also, it's a good life. Like there's some really good lifestyle aspects to being a teacher. And people tease us about <laughs> the holidays. Like, you know, that's that's the elephant in the room is like, oh, I became a teacher for the school holidays. The school holidays are mad. Like that's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> As we just finish up the school holidays. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, this week kind of thing. Yeah, so well, that well, that's good that came up because I was going to say, well, what do you say to, to, you know, younger people are thinking, oh, great holidays, I'll get into teaching for the holidays. Well, I mean, the holidays the holidays aren't just holidays, right? So everyone everyone knows, and not everyone believes teachers when they say, I do work through the holidays, and you do. Like, you have to do work through the holidays to be able to mm-hmm. keep up. But that you also get those, those holidays to recharge, become yourself again, do those other things in your life that are important to you. And that recharge is really important. Like, yeah. And I see people in other industries who don't get that recharge. Yeah. And they burn out. Yeah. Like, they burn out, and they hate themselves, and they hate their jobs, and... Absolutely. Yeah. You know, there's times I've hated my job as well, but yeah. well, you get that recharge time. Yeah, yeah. But if you're going in just for those holidays, those holidays will seem yeah. a really, really long way off. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> those yeah. eleven weeks yeah. <laughs> can drag and drag and drag. But yeah, no, definitely they're a definite benefit of uh, of teaching. Yeah, they're a great perk, but you can't go into it for the holidays. Like yeah. if you're not driven by being a teacher. I, I always hate when the holidays come to an end because I do love it. But those last couple of weeks, I'm always excited about the upcoming term or the upcoming year or the new kids coming into my class, all that stuff, the new staff I'm going to work with. Yep. So if you're not driven by that, that energy for being in the job, you can't just do it for the holidays. <laughs> no, or the money. Or the money. <laughs> or the money. But the money's getting better. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, everything's more expensive. But being a teacher, it's not it's not a poor man's job like you mm. can go in you can make a decent um earning being a teacher yeah a lot of the a lot of the work i've done this year has been in country schools yep if i had my time over again if we're talking about going back to the start of our career would mm. you do it again and why one of the things i'd do different is i'd go and do a stint in the country oh. i'd go and work in a rural school yeah um and having like having seen having been in country schools this year and see what it's like and there's two things that would draw me out there. One, the incentives are amazing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's like really good financial incentives. 
But I think it's also a great place to learn mm-hmm. because you, you do get a bit of extra responsibility. There's not a huge flood of – like there's shortages in the country more than there are in the metropolitan schools. Mm-hmm. But those, those little community schools, I think, offer something really different. So going back to the start of the career, that's, that's probably something I'd do different. I'd, I'd start out there. Yeah, great. And specifically Indigenous communities or just oh, not any nece- rural? Not necessarily. Yeah. Yeah, it just I think little country community schools. Although I I have like working with indigenous communities has been really really rewarding and 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 learnt a lot there. So I wouldn't be afraid of that. But yeah. there's something really appealing about small country community schools. Yeah, yeah. So just going back to why we do it again. What else is there about it? So we've both kind of touched on. We both feel similarly that we have been able to have some influence, some impact on on kids, on others, on on families. What else, what else is it about teaching that would draw you back again? I really like that you don't stop learning as a teacher. Mm-hmm. Like I, I've got friends in other professions and they kind of get good at it and yeah. coast. I've never seen a good teacher coast. Like mm-hmm. you, you can't really do that in the, in the job. Yeah. And if you've got the personality where you want to learn stuff all the time and you want to learn from other people, and it can be really diverse. Mm-hmm. Like there's – I never thought I would be a principal. That was yeah. never anywhere on my radar. I always thought if I went into leadership, it would be around curriculum. Yeah. And curriculum leadership is one of the few areas of my career that I haven't really delved into that deeply. Like I've mostly yeah. been in, in well-being and stuff. So I think because it's so diverse, like teaching is such a diverse industry, you can do so many different things and sort of follow different paths and yeah. be a bit creative and spontaneous. And yeah, that, so that learning part has been good for me. What, what about yeah. you? Like, yeah, I was just going to say, I was talking to someone the other day that was like, you know, I, she was a teacher. She really struggled just with the larger classes and the, you know, the classroom management with that. And she went off to do, I think, nutrition coaching or something. Um, and I saw her, I said, oh, you're still nutrition coaching? She said, no, I'm back teaching. I said, oh, great. You know, what made you come back? And she was just saying, I loved the teaching aspect, but I just looked at what it was about that situation that wasn't working for me. And I thought, she thought she'd be great working with the smaller groups and, and, and she is and she's loving it. So I hear what you're saying about different, you know, different pathways, different opportunities. And if you're in a good school, those opportunities will come and they'll tap you on the shoulder and say, oh, look, yep. are you interested in being an IT coordinator? Are you interested in doing this, that or the other? Because they're not precious about, yeah. you know, they're ha- willing to give you a go. So I, I agree there's lots of opportunities. I'd also say, similarly, there's no, there's just no two days that are the same. Mm. You know, you just never know what you're getting. And you can be driving to work and thinking, right, so today I've got that hour blocked out, I'll do this, I'll do that, I'll do that. And you turn up and some kid, you know, <laughs> is sitting down in the car devastated because they don't want to come into school because someone had, you know, bullied them or something, you know, the day before. And so you, your whole day just changes on that, yeah. on a dime kind of thing. So... I like that. I like that you never know what you're going to get. You never know yeah. what you're going to get when you pick up the phone. I think that can be a challenging aspect of teaching as well. Like I think, you know, there's sometimes a real fear of like, you know, d- not knowing. And I don't know if you think this is true. Do you think it's true that teachers have a real need for order and routine and needing to know? Do you think that's a broad generalisation or is there some truth in that? I think all people feel that. Like, Yeah, I, yeah, I, I think you're right, but... I've just never been able to maintain it. <laughs> yeah. 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 I just I, it's interesting because um not everyone that goes into teaching wants to go into like a pastoral role yeah, yeah, yeah. or a leadership role where things do fly at you and can change really really quickly, but for me, 
I love that. I never know what I'm quite going to get. And yeah, yeah. There's always a new challenge around the corner. Um, there's always something like you'd never be bored. There's always no. more to, to do. I love too that there's there's different different environments you can find yourself in too. Mm. Like, so o- over 25 years, I've worked in a couple of different settings, and some of those settings kind of spoke to my own personality more than others. Mm. You know what I mean? So yep. I think over time you can find the settings that really offer you something and that you can give something back to. Uh, like working working in an Aboriginal community, was that was a fantastic experience mm. for me and I felt really connected in there. But working in a boarding house as well, like, mm. you know, working in a boarding school and, and schools where sport was a big part of the experience, that was that really spoke to me as well. And I, I've found in my career the my own personal interests, I've been able to align that to my workplace in different mm. in different places. So, you know, that's been great. I don't know if you can do that in the same way in all – in different industries. I'm sure you can in some, but yeah. probably not every industry. It's something that teaching offers you. Yeah, yeah. What do you think about the – speaking of, like, the different industries, what do you think about the fact that teaching's one industry that's a little bit different in that – no matter how much you progress through kind of levels of leadership or advancement, that you still are required to have a component like in the classroom. Yeah, that's... Like kind um, of doing your original role. I, I did get to a point where I, I was principal and not really teaching yeah, very much. Yeah. And it was amazing how much of my time I spent thinking, I wish I was still teaching. Like, <laughs> not because I didn't want to be a principal, just because like, you <laughs> miss being in the classroom. And yeah. Maybe it's the ego thing again. I miss having a <laughs> captive audience, but... Yeah, it it does keep you kind of grounded in the in your core business, doesn't it? Like when yeah. you have to do that. And I think it gives you credibility for the staff yeah, as well because yep. they see you in there, you know, at the coalface, so to speak, yep. you know, teaching. It, it, in roles where I've had to kind of um, cover classes and book teachers, you yep. know, to cover classes, there's often times when, you know, I can't find anyone. So, and, and then, again, that's one of those days when I'm driving thinking I'd get all this stuff done. I had all these meetings or this to do and it's like, nope. You're teaching 4S today. Yeah, <laughs> and then yeah. I'm like, oh, you know, this is kind of dread of there goes my day. And then I get in the classroom and it's just one of the best days. And yeah. it just – I think it reinvigorates you and it reminds you why you do what you do. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. why you're there. You go, oh, that's right, I'm there for these kids. That's, yeah. that's everything I do. All those meetings and all those exec this, that and the others and policies and whatnot that really removes you. That's right, there is an impact. So, Kate, if there's a, a new graduate teacher who's just about to graduate and they're – they're about to go into their first job and they're thinking, oh, I've changed my mind, so I'm going to do something else. <laughs> what do you say to them to talk them back into teaching's Ooh. the job for you? <laughs> That's a hard one because I think the first few years of teaching are the toughest. Yeah. And I think I'd have to be kind of saying to them, look, give it at least five years, yeah. which isn't really that tempting at the you know in the start when they're not, they're not sure about it. Um, and I know we do lose a lot of early... Um, scheme teachers. I think that's because they don't have, you know, necessarily the support that they really need. And I know you're doing a lot of work with with early scheme teachers. But I think I'd say in terms of hopefully getting them to just give it a give it a go for about five years mm. or so, I think I'd say that, you know, it might not be the most prestigious job, it might not be the highest paid job, um, but there are a few other things that you can do that will give you that same sense of satisfaction, of impact, of influence, of just making a difference to 
you know, so many people's lives. I mean, if you're working in a school and you've got contact with, you know, even just your class, when you think of the flow-on effect of influencing those, you know, 25, 30 kids and how that, that ripple effect of, you know... And we all have those moments of remembering a teacher that really was a guiding light for us or was really influential or just really sparked something in us or made us believe in ourselves. You know, yeah. we, we all had one of those teachers. I think one of the reasons that whole thing I was saying before about changing the world, you know, you think you're going to be able to have that same impact that some of those teachers had on you. And and you do. That's the thing. Like, you really do. If you just think about that contact, like I was saying before, it's a privilege to to be able to guide and influence those those young people in a certain way. So I think I'd, I think I'd say that's it's one of the few things you can do that will pay you well, that will be challenging and exciting and different every day and you'll have lots of opportunity to spread your wings in different directions and ultimately it's incredibly satisfying to to make make a bit of a bit of a difference and I I see the impact of things like social media and mental health yeah. issues that I deal with all the time and I work really hard to to ensure that what I'm doing in my role is just counteracting some of that stuff and you know, it's tough being a kid these days, you yep. know, and if you're in a position where you can support them and help them and, you know, hopefully trickle out to the broader society in, in some way to have an influence, that's that's amazing. Yeah. It's huge. It, if you're prepared to do the job well, mm. it can be so rewarding. Yeah. And, and you're right, those first three to five years, you get over that and, yeah. Sweet. You can be really cooking. <laughs> Yeah. All right, so to, to finish up our first ever episode on Those Who Can't, mm. let's mention by name a teacher that we had when we were a student that we remember who influenced us to become teachers. Okay, well, I would say Phil Heron. I actually am still in touch with him. Yeah, wow. Yeah, he was a high school teacher. Um, he was my history teacher at at the con. We've kept in touch and... He really made history come alive for me. He really sparked that curiosity in me that a lot of the other subjects just weren't really doing for me at the time. He really increased my love of reading. So, yeah, just made me more curious about the world, but also just his expectations were just really high. Mm. We didn't always have that at the school I was at. You know, it was kind of a music school and so our subjects were a little bit well, oh, we're too busy becoming brilliant musicians, we can't do our work. So the academic aspect has changed a lot now, but in my day the academic aspect wasn't, you know, there weren't really high expectations, wasn't very academic school, even though it's full of really bright people. Mm. And look, he just came in and said, no, my expectations are way higher than that and I believe you can do it. And it was that belief and that showing me a, a broader world out there, I suppose, that was just, just fascinating to explore. Yeah, right. That's awesome. Mm. How about you? Mine's my history teacher as well. <laughs> so my modern history teacher in year 11 and 12, his name was Michael Douglas and he's sadly passed away since but he was such a passionate teacher and he was just the biggest history nerd. Like his <laughs> whole life was about history and he just, everything he taught us, he put so much energy and passion into it and if you didn't reflect that passion back, he would look at you like, how can you not be passionate about this? <laughs> I, I remember being on a... An excursion. I don't remember where the excursion was. We were on some random sports excursion. He just happened to be the, the teacher on our bus. And the teacher he was sitting next to, he just chewed her ear off the whole time about history. And he just talked history, history, history for like this four-hour bus trip. And I remember looking at him going, I wish I loved anything <laughs> as much as 
Mr. Douglas loves history. And it, but that just reflect. It, it was in everything he did in class was so there's so much passion and energy and you know wrapped around that was just this love of the students and the love of seeing students progress. So yeah, um, Michael Douglas, he's the teacher who made me want to be a modern history teacher. Fantastic. Yeah, so that's it for our first episode, Kate. I I think we I think we did all right because we're awesome. <laughs> so. Uh, Are we getting marked on this uh, report card? Yes, we'll we'll do a report card um, (laughs) and we'd love to hear what anyone else thinks about our podcast. But um, So thanks, Kate, and thanks to Ben for producing today. And we also need to thank the Hill Podcast Studio at the Bella Vista Hotel in the Hills District in Sydney. So thanks, everyone. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Those Who Can't, brought to you by Summit Education Australia. This episode was recorded in the Hills Podcast Studio, located in the Bella Vista Hotel, and we'd like to thank them for allowing us to use their studio. Join us next time for more of Those Who Can't.